What's up, guys? My name is Felix. Welcome back to Uva Radio and episode three of No More Bananas. I'm joined once again by Jeroen Kreinbrink, author of the book. We are on to step two of this No More Bananas journey. And step two is all about letting go. And the first step in letting go is stopping ruminating. What does ruminating mean, Jeroen? Because it's a bit of an obscure word. Thinking about things over and over again and in a very unproductive way. I think that's what rumin- what I mean with ruminating. Those toxic thought patterns. It's like you're chewing on your thoughts without any progress. Mm. I think, and especially on thoughts that don't really help you. Um, so that's what letting go. So the entire step is about um, letting the, 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 the thoughts and stress go because that's necessary for the rest of the journey. So we had step one calming down, uh, which is making sure that you at least have a little bit of calmness and freedom to get started uh, and now you need to sort of get rid of some of the stuff you are um, um, that keeps your brain occupied mm. and that's what stop ruminating is very much about is stop the thoughts that don't help you uh, don't recycle them but replace them by more productive uh, productive thoughts and it seems like you're kind of focusing uh, more on the past with this um, and if somebody's ruminating on something it means that they're obsessing about something which has happened which they can't really control but kind of what's the word catastrophizing (laughs) about something and saying oh this happened therefore this is going to happen therefore my life is over yeah so it's the past but also the future so it can also be thoughts about tomorrow Mm. about something important that's um uh, that you have to do or that's going to happen Uh, but it's really the unproductive thoughts that i think all of us know from what else i gathered from this it's a banana remedy, is that you're focusing a lot on the why and how people, when they ruminate on something and they obsess about something, they continually ask, why did this happen? Why mm-hmm. this happened to me? And they're looking for some kind of reason and trying to attribute yeah. some kind of meaning to the events that have taken place or the events that will take place. And then from that, extrapolating and saying, oh, therefore, I will be sad. Yes, because so, of this. Yes, we we are trained to think there's all there's always a cause and always a reason for something. Yeah. And of course, factually, there's always a cause. Uh, something is, is there's a cause and effect, but there's not always a reason. So why? And there's a couple of questions I mentioned here. Or not, there, there's not a meaningful reason. No meaningful reason. Yeah. So so why don't you have a higher IQ? Why are you not smarter? Why are you not more attractive? Yeah, because you were born like that. So we can give a genetic explanation, but it doesn't deal help with you. It. Yeah. Uh, it's deal with it. It's basically uh, deal with it. And uh, <laughs> so that, that's what, what you what you try to do is stop ruminating here. Mm. And there's some techniques there that you can use to turn your your unproductive thoughts into more um, productive and useful thoughts. Yeah, I quite like this five step mm-hmm. guide you included here because it's very surgical and just boom, boom, boom. So you started out with number one: is my thought correct? Number two, how do I feel with this thought? Number three, how do I feel without this thought? Number four, which of these two feelings do I prefer? Number five, what what other thought could be helping me? And I really like this because through just the language that you're using here and the questions that you're asking the reader to, to ask themselves, you're giving them a very large sense of agency and you're mm-hmm. reminding the person in the fact that they don't have to feel any kind of way. And I think this is a this is something which humans always fall into is the um the idea that feelings are right by definition, and that if you feel shit about something, 
that's because something has happened to you mm -hmm. and it's an external thing which you know you can you can get over that but that feeling is is legitimate you never actually you know people do sometimes of course but i think it's quite rare for people to look at that feeling immediately and be mm -hmm. like what what is this like what what am i feeling here do i need this do i like this could i be feeling something else yeah so what what i suggest you to do here is is to have a more analytical approach and analyze your thoughts mm. and realize that many of your feelings are not ca not caused by let's say the reality but by your thoughts so it's your thoughts that create the feelings if you think differently um, then you feel differently so if you think something is a problem and define it as a problem you feel bad if you think about that same thing as an opportunity or, or as something good you feel good mm. so this is like sort of reprogram yourself, analyze the thought, uh, look how you feel, uh, look how you feel without the thoughts. And that's, of course, then the, the fourth question, which of the two feelings do I prefer is a rhetorical one. The, the, uh, you feel always better without the thought because otherwise, why would you do this exercise? And then the last point is important. Uh, what other thought could be helping me is to re find other ways of thinking. And it's not just rejecting what you thought but it's it's replacing them by by um by other thoughts so an example and that's also i take this from uh, from the book for instance uh you you failed an exam or an important job for your boss and therefore you think i'm a failure uh that's an easy thought we have we've done something wrong or we failed in something and we are uh, we are a failure um so how do you feel with with the thought pretty bad how do you feel without the thought pretty good which of the two feelings do you prefer? Probably, uh, Probably the good one. <laughs> the good one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what other thought nice. could be helping me? That's not just saying, okay, I am not a failure. That's, that's too simple. But it's try to be more rational and think, okay, the fact that I failed this test doesn't say anything about whether I'm a failure. Uh, it's maybe because I didn't prepare so well. Um, there is half of the other students who failed too maybe uh, and and so on and so on so you, you can look at other thoughts that are more productive and that help you uh, get a better feeling mm -hmm. and that's what this first remedy here stop ruminating is about and i think it's also about um deconstructing these thoughts because whenever yes. you have um a bad thought or something that pops into your head um it's normally quite abstract and it's just a pang of of bad feeling of like oh i'm a failure i'm shit yep. i'm not good enough i'm this and then you start, if you start to think about what each of those words means and where that comes from and what is a failure, you know, how do I define a failure? That's a completely subjective idea of being a failure. Does it even matter to be a failure? Does that define who I am if I'm a success or a failure? No. So then as soon as you start to do that and you just look at the different levels of what you're thinking and how that applies to real life, you realize that none of this is real and these yeah. are all just little feelings that are based on societal expectations and, that's the whole, that's the whole and your insecurities and everything yeah that's so. the whole point it, it's about making clear to yourself learning experiencing that they're just thoughts mm. and that the thoughts create the emotions and that neither of them might have anything to do with reality mm. so that was stopping ruminating banana remedy 2.1 uh, one that was focused very much on how to deal with negative thoughts so stop looking for explanations for the unexplainable and accept that many things just happen. Bend your mind from ruminating about limiting thoughts to producing thoughts that help you. So on to the next one, and it's all about cutting down on planning. 
And I, when I first read this, I was like, ah, I'm already very good at this because I'm not. <laughs> you don't plan. I'm not the most organized man in the world. But then, as by the end of it, I started to think, actually, I do plan quite a lot, but I, I plan in a bit of an ineffective way. Mm-hmm. And I'll always, a lot of the time, I'll finish before I go to bed, I'll write down a list of things that I want to mm-hmm. do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of chaotic and it's just like, okay, I'm going to do this, that, this, that. Um, and it doesn't mm-hmm. work for me so well. Mm-hmm. And I think, if anything, I waste time thinking about what I should do mm-hmm. rather than just doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like in this, you were more addressing it towards people who do actually plan far too much and have very rigid days. Yes, and because not not just days, but have the idea that things are planable. What you re- just referred to, we get back to that in step seven, getting Ooh, organized. Nice. Looking forward to it uh, because that's one of the one of the remedies there is plan for uncertainty. That's actually so try to plan and get organized in a more productive way. Mm. So here in this stage. Uh, we, we, we're still in the phase where we uh, try to let things go. And especially the things that are out of our control. Uh, and the future is one of them. Uh, and that's why if, if you plan very meticulously, very precisely, uh, you will be just disappointed because things will unfold differently than you, uh, than you think anyway. So we can't predict, we can't control the future. We can have some idea of what happens tomorrow, the next week, next month, next year. Um, but not so much. And actually, if you think about it, we are, I think we're all very lousy planners. Mm. At least I am. And, and the way we do this is, is very simple. So we look at the past. How was it previous time? Or what did I do the last weeks? And we extend that towards the future and assume things will probably be similar, which is, by the way, usually quite a good assumption. But then we, we add... Uh, a positive bias to it. We are optimistic, so we think, but things will be better. So as soon as you plan for your career, your life, uh, your health, you always have the idea that, okay, probably it will be somewhat like today, but better. But that's just wishful thinking. Um, So cut down on planning means realizing that uh, those plans are a fiction anyway. Why do you think that um, we always view these these plans to be better? Do you think that's the issue? Is that our expectations of our plans or the fact that we're making so many plans in and themselves? I think it's mostly the the, the extent of planning uh, to the second. So, so the extent of planning we okay. do and also the extent of planning that's expected you, from us. You kind of have to have hopes for the future and be sure. optimistic and say, oh, yeah, you know what, next week we better than this week, hopefully, you know. Otherwise, sure. you know. The, the, so the hope, the aspirations, yeah. the, 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 that's the ideals, that's great. But don't see them as reality. Mm. Uh, and as soon as you try to turn them into plans, you are treating them as something that is um, that is sort of fixed. And that's not just not, not the case. It is A lot of it is un, uh, unplannable. So why, why try, try and plan? Mm. Indeed. Towards the end, you started to talk about how when people uh, make plans and they try and stick to them mm-hmm. dogmatically. And this is something which uh, annoys me quite a lot because I'm always quite flexible um, mm-hmm. in my day to day. If something comes up, I will very much be able to you know, disregard what I was doing earlier, whatever mm-hmm. that was, if I think that the new thing is a better option for me to do right now for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time I'm with people and 
He goes, oh, no, but we agreed to do this. And I was like, but, yeah, we agreed to do that based at mm. an arbitrary point in the past. Yeah, but because, why stick to that? Yeah, it doesn't actually, that's not like some sacred thing that was codified. Mm. That was just the decision that some of us agreed upon because of whatever reason, yeah. because of somebody say stating that and then a majority of people tacitly agreeing doesn't yeah. mean anything you know no, so, so it's an arbitrary yeah, point of reference I think anyway I, yeah. I really like this point about how you need to be more flexible with our plans and just realize that anything could come up and be ready for that and be ready to you know seize the day as they say so yeah that's banana remedy 2.2 cut down on planning plan less especially when it concerns details in the long term you can't control the future and your predictions will be wrong anyway. Think about the opportunity costs of planning and let go. So, Banana Remedy 2.3 is stopping controlling. This is something which uh, I struggle with quite a lot. I think um, I've always been a bit of a control freak mm -hmm. and I like to be in situations. And, You're not the only one. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe not totally be in control. I can also sit back and kind of let things happen. Um, but if I'm in a situation where decisions need to be made i always try and step up and have an influence and have mm -hmm. a say and direct whatever's going on but often that can lead to a lot of issues because i get frustrated then when people don't want to do what i think is best because i think that i know best yes and then you know that can lead to some bananas exactly and that's why and of course it's that stop controlling it doesn't mean fully stop controlling mm. you should try to control the things that are within your control, but especially trying to control other people. Uh, it's probably something you, sh you shouldn't try to do. I have to tell this myself too, by the way. So this is not... I don't think it's, it's so much uh, about you can't control other people, but you can help them or you can try and Yes, and you don't want... To, also, if you, if you just place yourself in their shoes, you don't want to be controlled. Mm. Uh, you don't want someone else sort of enforcing their thoughts, uh, their expectations upon you. Uh, at least I think so. I think most people sort of like this freedom uh, and, and don't want to be controlled by others. So why would you try and control mm. um, others? And I think if you put this into a business setting, um, it's, a, it's a bit kind of um, not problematic, but you have to look at this in a different light because obviously in, um, in a professional environment, you have hierarchies and mm -hmm. you have um, even just in organizations, you have to have somebody in charge and then people below him who manage people below him. Mm -hmm. Not to say that, you know, people aren't valuable, but just that's how hierarchies work. And mm -hmm. I do believe that, you know, going against what uh, humanities rally propagate, I do believe that hierarchies are important for an organized and professional society. It and then, and then it's, um, it's a case of you have to kind of control people. Mm -hmm. and you have to manage them mm -hmm. but then it's very important how you do that and making sure that you treat people with the utmost respect and acknowledge the fact that if you were in their position and you were being told what to do you would want to be treated as an autonomous person who has the right to complain to maybe say no to come up with ideas to, come to with take ideas. initiative exactly to and it's it's actually very tricky because you still want to have things run as smoothly as possible and get things done But yes. then it's, it's, it's all about respect, I feel. I think especially in organizations, um, the stop controlling uh, remedy is very useful too. Because indeed, as you mentioned, hierarchies might be useful for several reasons, but probably not for controlling. And I think what we, uh, we have this built-in idea that 
we need to control other people because we are better than them. We know better than them. So we need to tell them what to do. We need to instruct them and control them and monitoring. The whole, uh, a lot of the management practices and the way organizations are built is based on this idea of control. And the assumption is human beings are not intelligent enough, not smart enough. They are um, egocentric. They will just go They're for their chaotic, own benefits. Yeah. So we have to control them, mm. which is not, so, not such a great and, and correct assumption. That's, I think, why we see a lot of developments now in, in management um, for more loser approaches to, to management. So self-steering teams, more decentralization, more autonomy, flatter organizations, mm. all of that because I think we all, as individuals, we know that we, can be, we are adults, we can make our own decisions, we don't need to be controlled. Um, so in organizations, I think it, it applies very much as well. Yeah. Um, but also, as here as part of a journey to uh, to get yeah. rid of your bananas on an individual level yes i think you're um you're talking quite a lot about how people not only need to stop controlling people in their actions but also stop worrying about controlling things in terms of their thoughts and you talked there about visualization as an effective mechanism mm -hmm. for letting things go mm -hmm. in this sense and not worrying about them or maybe not worrying about you know your partner cheating or a test going badly or any of these other things that we're constantly thinking about is uh, visualization. So you s use the example here of a balloon. Mm -hmm. So if you're um, if you're worrying about something a lot, you have to imagine yourself in a very nice setting on a beach, whatever, some kind of special place for you, holding a balloon, and that balloon is whatever is worrying you. Mm -hmm. And I find with these visualization techniques, it only really clicked for me when I started to truly. You have to kind of buy into it. Fully at sure, first. sure. That's that. I, then, I had to buy into yeah, that as well because the first to, thing I thought it, it's that's nonsense. You have to believe <laughs> that this is actually something which can help you if yeah. if if you let it help you. Um, but then also it's about putting in the effort in terms of the mental energy. Yeah. So you don't just imagine yourself on a beach with a balloon. You really think about it. You think about why this place is special to you. You think about really being there, the sights, the smells, the sounds. The richer the picture, the better. Exactly. Yeah. And then you imagine the balloon not just as a balloon that is your thing, but you really think about every single aspect of the balloon and how that relates to every single aspect of the thing that's bothering you. Mm -hmm. You imagine, for example, if it's, you know, your partner cheating, you imagine your partner cheating inside the balloon, a very visual graphic image of that, and you really go deep into whatever it is and the most horrible scenario imaginable for you, and you put mm -hmm. it inside that balloon. And then you just let go of the balloon. Yeah, that's the important part. So a balloon is a very good yeah. uh, visualization. You can also use the clouds. So yeah. even just look at look outside and there's clouds. If I now look out the window, there's plenty of clouds. Loads so of just clouds. <laughs> very cloudy day. <laughs> just just imagine that your your thought is on that cloud and you see it slowly move out of sight. I think that's so. Then there's there's many other visualization techniques that help you letting go your uh, mm. your thoughts. Yeah, there's also a good one that um, our sound engineer told us a while back, which was um, having a fire in your belly. Mm -hmm. So this is it kind of combines as well with meditation and breathing exercises. So you imagine that your your issue, your problem, whatever, is a fire inside of your stomach or mm -hmm. the bottom of your lungs, your very core. And again, with the balloon thing, you have to really imagine that the fire is your problem. Mm -hmm. It is this thing, is that. Mm -hmm. And then every single deep breath that you take in with your eyes closed, you imagine the fire 
being extinguished a little bit as you exhale because yep. the fire has less oxygen, yep. so it can't survive. And then when you've done enough breathing, the fire's extinguished and you're no longer worried about it. Yeah, great. I actually should should maybe I should start collecting all those visualizations yeah, because those be those the balloon and the fire are not in the book, so yeah. they're extra. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's extra content for you guys. Yes. Um, and of course, meditation is another very good thing to do if you want to do this. Um, I've started doing it a fair bit recently. Just you mentioned here, it's. I think when people think about meditation, it's like uh, you kind of conceptualize it as a proper thing that requires commitment, and mm -hmm. you either are somebody who does meditation or you're not. Yeah. And it's difficult to make. Are that you transition. a meditator or not? Are you, you the kind yeah, of person? Exactly. Do you go to meditation? Do you, it's like it's actually something which is like just brushing your teeth. Yeah. You. You, you say here that you just wake up in the morning, sit in a chair and just focus on your breathing for two to five minutes. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't call it meditation yeah. then. Just, that, just that. call it just waking up and just yeah, just the part of your morning routine. Yeah. It's it's actually very, very simple and it's very, very clear. And it's it's it clears your head a lot and it allows you to go about your day with a lot more freedom. Yes, especially and, if you do this in the morning. Yes. Yeah. Because it's very rare that, I think you talk about this later in the book as well, about just in general being chill about things, but really understanding mm -hmm. that, you know, we need a couple minutes in the day to think about nothing. Because for the rest of the day, we will be thinking about everything constantly. But yeah, you also mentioned here um, diaries and notebooks, which I think are a good method for getting things out anyway. Yeah, it's I, also it, because con the whole this whole step on letting things go is to get things out of your head, uh, and yeah. writing things down can be uh, one way of stop trying to control them by trusting them to your paper or your computer. Exactly, and it, it, it's something as well. I think all of these things they can they can seem quite silly to people who mm -hmm. haven't done them before, or cynical people who are like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I'm not gonna get help by imagining a fucking balloon floating mm -hmm. away or a fire in my belly or yeah, we have more there's, there's more chair. silly things than that in the book yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah or like you know writing a diary can feel a bit a bit silly as well yeah. like just or a it's, bit it's, narcissistic it's, it's not actually... what 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 macho male <laughs> males yeah, are exactly. doing yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> but it's your choice of course it's, it's your journey uh, for me the choice is maybe what do I do do I do something so called silly or do I go bananas? And mm. I know my preference. Exactly. So that's Banana Remedy 2.3. Stop controlling. Don't try to control the things and people that are out of your control. Like you, they don't like to be controlled. Let go and give them the chance to evolve and unfold when and how time is ready. So on to Banana Remedy 2.4, which is all about forgiveness. Would you like to explain this one, you know? Yes. Um... So we also go bananas because we keep on being frustrated and angry about what other people did to us in the past. Mm. This might be your parents, your friends, your husband, wife, uh, whoever, a stranger. And they might have done very bad things to you. Um, and you might be very rightful to, to be angry about them. But to repeat that and stay angry, you are the only one who is suffering. So that's what forgiveness is about. It's You do this just for yourself. This is not for the other person. It's in your mind, forgive what they've done, um, which is very hard. Uh, and I just cover it here in, in a short section. And there's uh, a nice book uh, about this by Fred Luskin, Forgive for Good. The entire book is about forgive, forgiving. And I actually borrow some, some of his uh, thoughts here. 
But like with the um, stop ruminating, the idea is to to transform your thoughts into more productive thoughts, rather than keep on repeating how bad, how much a victim you are of what others have done to you. You try to create a story in which you are um, you are actually the hero in the story. You try to achieve something and something happened, but you go on. Um, I think that's what forgiveness is very much um, much about. Mm. It's uh yeah, you had one bit here where you said everybody is always qualified for being a victim. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of this is people tend to think that if something has happened to them, there has to be a set amount of time which they feel really terrible about and they have to be angry at the person. And mm-hmm. if you don't take out your anger or frustration in some way onto the person, then you are not standing up for yourself. Mm-hmm. When actually it's not really about that. It's it's totally down to you how long you let this trauma affect you yeah and it's it's just you decide to to have your brain to your brain occupied by Mm. those thoughts and it's it's as well that people tend to think that when they are mistreated or hurt Mm -hmm. or whatever um that it's intentional Mm -hmm. that this person is doing this because they're a bad person because they don't care because they're a worse person than you and you never would have treated somebody like this but you don't know that because you're not them and you're not in their situation. You don't, you don't have no idea what it's like to be them or what they've gone through. No, and mostly it is not intentional. Mm-hmm. And, and if it was intentional, it's not even it's not not personal. Yeah. They even if you were uh, were a victim of a very uh, you you were injured by by someone, uh, it's not intentionally on you. You were there. You were uh, the. Um, um, you were just unlucky. Yeah, you were just unlucky. And maybe there's also things that you could have done which might not have led to this thing happening so it's always important to look at both sides and get some perspective on this but i always like to whenever i'm really angry at somebody i always like to think back to this aristotelian teaching which my latin teacher taught me when i was 14 or something and it blew my mind which was um the fact that we tend to think of evil being a thing Mm -hmm. and bad actions existing and bad people existing Mm -hmm. but actually the very nature by which humans operate is you the only way any human can complete any action like lifting a book or speaking mm-hmm. or moving or mm-hmm. you know hurting or killing is is by some kind of perceived good in their mind mm-hmm. some kind of subjective good and when you realize that and you start to think oh, okay these people do this because in their mind they're actually doing okay. some kind of good for themselves or for the world and all of these things are totally subjective yeah. and there is no objective good or evil. No. So then their you, mind might be mixed up, but I think then I think there's there's others saying the same is that yeah. everyone from their own perspective is trying to do the right thing mm. or to do something good. And that might be something completely screwed up. Um but still the intention is often uh is always there a positive one. You you can you can say, Oh, I disagree with you or I'm yeah. gonna judge you for that. But letting yourself be so affected by that and the actions of others isn't very smart because there's nothing you can do about that. No. So forgive. Forgive, forgive and forget. Actually, don't forget. That's what you said here as well. Yeah. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you forget or ignore. And no. something as well that I've when I have been mistreated by people in my life is that um, I managed to forgive quite well. I, I don't hold grudges. Very but I, I really always remember... And there's certain people in my life who have treated me in certain ways and I'm never going to view them in the same way again. And you I'll still you don't have you know, to. be friends with them and maintain relationships and be civil and everything. And 
be friends, but just you you start to look at them in a different way. Yeah. And I think that's smart as well because it means that next time, if it does happen, you won't be hurt. You'll yes. just be like, oh, whatever. You know, I was expecting that anyway. So that is Banana Remedy 2.4. Forgive. Stop preserving your angers from the past. Take responsibility for how you feel by forgiving others and yourself. Turn your victim story into a hero story by focusing on the positive intention behind it. And we're on to the final banana remedy of step two, letting go, which is all about releasing your stress. And what would you say is the number one way in which you release your stress? Um, it, actually, there's, there's, this is the, um, this is the physical part. The, um, the other four remedies here are more cognitive. Mm -hmm. They presume that you know what keeps you busy. So stop ruminating is about a particular thought. Cut down on planning is about particular plans. Controlling is about something you control. Forgiving is about particular things that happen to you. Um, releasing stress is more generic. It's just leave, let stress go out of your body. And there's a couple of exercises that are also described in the book that I do every now and then. Um, one of them is just just lie down on a flat surface. It could be the floor, uh, your bed without a pillow. Um, uh, so on your back, uh, let your... Um, Put your hands to the, uh, uh, is it, uh, <laughs> how do you say that? Uh, I, I describe it in the, in, the, in the book. So upward looking with the palms of your hands mm -hmm. uh, and pretend or visualize again that sort of energy is flowing out of your hands. And the first time I heard this, I also thought, okay, this is kind of funny. And okay, but let's do it. And actually this was taught by my, uh, taught by my karate uh, teacher. Um, so my senzai. Uh, and the interesting thing is what you experience that you might start trembling, and that's the stress that's going to that's re that's released. Mm. Uh, so you might not experience that the first time, maybe not the second or the tenth time, but after a while, uh, when I do it, I, I I do feel it that the stress is getting out of, um, and it it helps pretty uh, pretty well. So something else you can do, and that's where I what I mentioned, it, it gets more silly. What you can also do is just sort of stretch your face. Uh, that means sort of uh, open your mouth as far as possible, your eyes as far as possible. Uh, and that's, it, it looks very silly. Uh, so you probably want to do that when you're not around with other people. Yeah. But it helps um, getting rid of some of the physical stress that is built up in your uh, your body. I like these things as well because they always, you've got some quite practical mm -hmm. remedies here for how to get rid of your stress. And they're always things that that are silly and go against like correct norms yeah. of how to behave as an adult human but who cares being. exactly <laughs> one one thing i always like to do normally when i'm home alone just because of the the volume involved is just to scream as loud as i can it's just like if i'm in the bathroom i'm looking around just scream in my face and then you're like you just you just kind of laugh afterwards whatever but you always feel better yeah and yeah. also because that's a physical a physical exercise yeah and or just do some shadow boxing you know yeah so there's plenty of other things. Uh, so it's all so. This is all about the physical um, release of uh, of your stress. Yeah. So that is banana remedy two point five: releasing stress. Let the stress flow out of your body by doing targeted visualization or physical exercises. This helps you let go, especially in cases when you don't know where your bananas exactly come from. So that has been banana remedy step two: let go. And uh, yeah, good stuff in here. In the next podcast, we'll be talking about taking responsibility. I do hope you'll join us for that. Thank you very much for coming in again, you know. 
thank you and um we'll see each other next time see you then <laughs>